Hello and welcome to the Nitty Gritty Reviews Podcast. I am Rachel and today I'm here with a special guest co-host, my mom Melissa. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about the 1996 crime drama Fargo. This is written and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, and is starring William H. Macy as Jerry Lundegaard, Steve Buscemi as Carl Showalter, uh, Peter Stormare, I guess, as Gaillard Grip... Grimsrund. I should have figured out how to pronounce these names before I started talking. Uh, and Frances McDormand as Marge Gunderson. Right, so this is going to be a nitty gritty review. We're going to go through all the categories of my grad, talk about what works and what doesn't. Um, I know you're a little hesitant about the grid, so it's going to be a little interesting seeing the the different ways we went about filling it out. But I think we're going to have some good conversations. I'm excited. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but before we jump into the grid, um, I want to talk a little bit just about um, our, our histories and memories with this movie. I know for <laughs> I know for me, um, this is a movie that I watched for the first time at a fairly young age. Uh, I was in junior high ish, I think, uh, somewhere around twelve or thirteen. <laughs> I remember, you had told me for like a couple of years before watching it that it was the funniest movie you had ever seen. And that was all he told me about. Um, so I was a little shocked going into it. But I still, even at that age, I loved it. I didn't think it was funny, and I was a little concerned. Um, well, now you know I have a strange sense of humor. So, And I've gotten it from you. I laughed quite a bit watching it this time, um, which we'll get more into, into that in some of the writing categories, because um, that is something I definitely want to talk about. Um, but that's kind of my history with this movie. And then, of course, it's gone on as, you know, that was, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago now. It was, uh, I guess, 15 years ago-ish uh, that I had seen it. So it's been a while. And now it's one of my favorite movies. Coen Brothers are some of my favorite filmmakers. Um, and it's really had an, an influence on me as a critic, I guess, or as just a, a film lover. Um, it really sets the standard pretty high for me in a lot of these categories that we're going to be talking about. So yeah, so that's kind of my history with it. That um, may have been the last time that I saw it also, um, but yeah. I really enjoyed it this time as well. So. Yeah. Was this a movie, had you seen it in theaters, or where had you had you seen it before, <laughs> before we watched it that time? I don't remember, but I'm going to guess that we just got it on DVD or, or video back then. Um, I don't think I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Well, I would have been pretty little, so you would have had two little kids at home. That's the thing. We had smallish <laughs> children, and we did not go to the movies all that often, but we watched a lot of movies at home, so. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the yeah. day when you could rent them and take them back. Yeah. I miss video stores. <laughs> I know there's there's other options now, but those were the days, ma'am. It was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so is there anything else you wanted to say, just as kind of a general introduction, or you want to jump into the grid? Um, let's jump in. All right, uh, so the first category in the grid is going to be writing, plot, and genre. Um, and this one, I think there's just some really interesting things going on um, as far as particularly the plot structure. Um, but the first thing that I wanted to talk about is the the opening title card the, based on a true story. Um, <laughs> Which I've always believed. <laughs> most people do. And I remember the first time I watched it being like, oh my goodness, this really, this is amazing. This really happened. This is crazy. <laughs> And then when I got older and, and, you know, the internet became more of a thing. I mean, it was a thing then, too, but much more of a thing now where you just, oh, trivia on this movie. And the first page of trivia is all about how it's not really a true story. And it's like, oh, this changes my perception of things. Yeah. Um, and I guess they pretty, I mean, it was 
inspired by a couple of true crimes, like a couple of different very high-profile true crimes that happened near Fargo. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of how they rationalized it. But it was pretty much, they're like, this is a really outlandish story. We need people to believe it. So let's just tell them it's true. (laughs) Now that just, you just sparked something off the cuff there. Um, Was Fargo even in this movie? (laughs) I think it is. Which parts take place in? It took place in Brainerd and then in Minnesota. Yeah. I want to say they, the, didn't um, Jerry Lundegaard, didn't he live in Fargo or was he in Minneapolis? I thought he was in Minneapolis. I know there's something that happens in Fargo. When you said that, I'm just trying to think now. I don't know if I even heard the name Fargo mentioned in the whole movie. I hadn't thought um, about that till right now. <laughs> I know. I mean, the Coen brothers have come out and they're like, because people have asked them, like, why did you, why is it called Fargo? And their response, they're like, because Brainerd is an awful name for a movie. Well, that is, <laughs> sounds so, more like a zombie movie or something. Yeah. Like so they went with Fargo. And I think. I want to say something happens in Fargo, but now that you say that, I don't remember what yeah. or or if that's even true. Um, hmm. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. an interesting... And maybe the... I don't even know if those true stories happened in, in Fargo, if yeah. it was just in the general area. Um, and but it's, yeah. Fargo is... Isn't that one of the Dakotas? It's North, even North Dakota. Minnesota. The whole thing took place in Minnesota, except at the very end where they found him. Maybe they found him in that hotel. I don't want to jump ahead, but... Oh, we can jump ahead. There's no, no real order to the... Okay. But yeah, that but... wasn't in Fargo, but it was at least in North Dakota. Yeah. That's weird. Well, Brainerd was, was North Dakota. Oh, it was? As well, yeah. And I want to say it's a neighboring city, so, so maybe that's really why. really close to Minnesota, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's... My, we need a map now. <laughs> I know. You know better than anyone. My geography is not great, so if you don't yeah, know... Neither is mine, I, so I don't know, but... You get that for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so there's just some really interesting stuff. Um, going on as far as like location and yeah. you know the based on a true story, I think is just a great way. Like, because normally I kind of roll my eyes, but for some reason this movie, maybe because it's an earlier movie, although they've been doing that since like Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the seventies, like it's not a new thing to do. <laughs> but I don't know for some reason it really works for me in this movie more so than some of the other movies that have pulled it off. Where I'm just like, oh brother, sure it is, <laughs> you know. Whereas <laughs> this one, I'm like, it is cool. Oh, if they say it, I believe it. So <laughs> <laughs> well, there's usually because even like Texas. <laughs> Chainsaw Massacre, there's grains of truth, yeah. but it's pretty far-fetched <laughs> to say it's based on a true story. But so I, I thought that that was some of the interesting stuff going on with the plot. Um, and there's also some stuff with just the structure that I just, from a more nerdy writer's perspective, I thought was interesting. Like there's at one point where um, uh, Steve Buscemi's character, why am I blanking on his name? Carl calls Jerry and he's like, like, okay, I'm done. Like, you're going to come to the parking lot in 30 minutes. This whole thing is going to wrap up. And then sure enough, like the exact runtime from that point in the movie is like 30 minutes. Like in 30 minutes, it wraps up. So it's just kind of like a a kind of a nerdy (laughs) Easter egg more than anything. But just things like that within plot structure, I just think is really um, interesting. And just the way, um, just the the plot structure in general is so unusual because, like, we aren't introduced to our protagonist in the movie till 33 minutes in. That's like a third of the movie goes by. It's supposed to be typically in the first 10 minutes at most you're introduced to the first, to the main character, if not the very first scene in the movie. Yeah. And we spend all this time with, with the villains. Um, 
I guess depending on your perspective, maybe you could consider them protagonists since we are introduced to them first. Um, although they're certainly, I don't think anyone would argue they're they're the good guys. No, but they're but certainly the driving force. Exactly. In the movie. Um, so I just think it's fascinating that like we don't see Marge Gunderson until a third of the way through the movie, uh, and it works somehow. They pull it off. <laughs> so as far as plot structure in that way, like there's just. It's just it's just a that solid. Kinda, don't you think that kind of keeps it fresh though? Because you're doing all the stuff and you're moving along, and then you bring in a new main character, and it's like more new stuff, and it just absolutely keeps you interested. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just very, and it's very, and that goes to like the pace of the movie as well. Like it is very fluid and very like you're never bored, keeps you moving forward. It's just a great just the the pace and the way characters are introduced and the. It just feels very natural, even for as, as crazy as the plot gets. It's like, oh, yeah, this does feel like the natural progression of things. Like, of course, this would end with a person in a wood, in a wood chipper. Yeah, and even like, with that, though, it's not moving so fast that you can't keep track of things. It just yeah. it's very steady yeah. like, building. Yeah. I also really like, just within this category, just some of the the overall themes of the movie, um, which is definitely something that I did not get when I was younger, like the first few times <laughs> I watched it. And then the older I get, the more I pick up on, like, um, particularly, there's a very strong theme throughout the movie of, like, Americana and small-town America and the American dream versus, like, all of this, like, corruption and greed and violence. But they're really kind of the same thing. <laughs> like, there's the... I know you don't really like symbolism and stuff. I, I know you have I just pretty... don't pick up on it. Even listening to you talk about it, I'm like, oh, was that <laughs> So I like hearing you talk about it because it makes me think of things that does not come to me naturally at all. Yeah. And normally, I mean, this is a movie I've seen several, several times. And it took <laughs> till the most recent couple of times where I'm like, oh, I kind of see what they're doing there. But there are things like, I mean, there's like the Paul Bunyan statue, which which is they very prominent. They show that a lot. They yeah. show it a lot, which isn't even a real statue. Like, like Brainerd oh, is... Really? That is technically the... So they quote, took it from unquote. Lumberjack. <laughs> we have a I restaurant mean, here that is that. It has that statue in front of it. It is pretty much the same statue. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like just the... Like that like icon of Americana just looming down on everybody. Like really, to me, like represents like the the American dream and this idea of like, well, anybody can just get a bunch of money. That's the American dream. Like that seems to be what the movie says to me. But then you see the ways that the people go about and get the money. And then the, the what solidifies that theme to me is um, when they're at the very end, when she's got uh, the Swedish guy, guy Gaier, I guess. in called the Swedish guy. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's got him in the car. And they're, you know, they're driving, she's taking him in, and she gives her a speech of, like, all this for just a little bit of money. Don't you know there's more to life than that? And, like, right after she says that, he looks out the window and sees this statue looming down on him. And it's like, but there's not. Like, that's the, the American dream. You go out, you get what you want. Like, that's the American dream. That's Americana. That's... There's not more, like, we're taught there's not more to life than that. I mean, that's a really bleak way of looking at it, but I think that's what this movie is getting at, is just, like, look what people do for money. And I think that's why this movie takes place in the Midwest and why um, this is getting a little bit more into characters, but, like, why the main character, you know, why Marge is pregnant. Like, she's the symbol of the future and of, you know, hope and innocence. You know, she's not, she's going to be a mother soon and have a baby. And, you know, it's all this, like, symbols of innocence and, you know, c- contrasted with, like, but that's not the American dream people are after. It's money. It's not family. It's not, you know, this wholesome small-town life. 
it's money. And all that symbolism. When I every time I saw that, I thought, oh, they're going back to Brainerd. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> all I thought is that's your visual cue. We're going back to Brainerd, which it also know? is. That's not yeah. wrong. And that's. Um, I mean, that's. Yeah, my mind just does not see the symbolism stuff. Um, at all. and like i said it took several viewings for me to start picking up on it Uh, but it is something that the more i watch it the more i really like and i tend to be a pretty cynical person and i like movies that kind of have social commentaries against like the american dream or or at least the the corruption of the the american dream at its heart is you can escape whatever life you find and find something better and and make something good out of yourself and and have this better life that's great there's nothing wrong with that that's the ideal american dream but it's over time turned into this well anybody can get rich you can do whatever you want and get rich and that's kind of become the corruption of the american dream and i tend to like more cynical (laughs) viewpoints of that because because i think it's accurate i think it's or maybe um, it just symbolizes that you can never get out of your small town, your hometown. That could be too, you know, yeah. Or you want to come back to it. Something about the coming back to it strikes me. Yeah, that absolutely could yeah. be true as well. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, you can. That's the thing with symbolism; you can read into it, like yeah. whatever right. hits you. Like you can read into it, which I just love. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just the whole like the the small town, the Americana, that recurring theme of like Paul Bunyan. I I just love it all. <laughs> Um, which I kind of put in with plot and genre just because it seemed like the best place to put it um, as far as the writing goes. So the last thing I wanted to talk about within this category, we kind of hinted at, and this is another one I didn't quite know where was best to talk about it, um, but this seemed like a good spot as any, um, although a lot of this comes from the characters as well. Um, but that's the the humor. I was looking through the <laughs> through the trivia on IMDb, and it's actually included in, a, in the year 2000, the American Film Institute created a list of the top 100 funniest American movies. Was it in there? And Fargo is included oh, on that yeah. list. <laughs> um, and I remember um, a couple of years ago, my boyfriend's mom had sent me a, a message on Facebook and she was like, so I was looking for a comedy to watch on Facebook or on, on Netflix and Netflix suggested Fargo for a comedy. So I watched it and it was upsetting. That was not funny. And I'm like, I get it. I don't like. Now see, I even though I think it's funny, I would not say it's a comedy. See, and that's how I feel too. I mean, I don't know how you differentiate, but it is. See, and that's how yeah. I say too. I'm like, there is, and it's very. It's also important to distinguish that humor. it is dark right. humor, which I appreciate. <laughs> I like dark humor as well. Um, so I do think it's interesting that I, mean, I don't know why Netflix, because that's, that's what I told her. I was like, I was like, yeah. there's dark humor, but I would not call it a comedy. No, it's not a comedy. Um, and to include it in the top 100 funniest American movies. I wonder where it placed. I'm curious. I didn't yeah. look. Um, and I wonder if it's still there. I don't know how often they come out with that list. And what um, the criteria is. Yeah. Exactly. And I, part of it, I mean, I wonder if part of it is because it is so American. It has that, like, Midwestern, like, small-town America. Like, it's a very specific type of humor. <laughs> so maybe to them it was like, oh, this is so representative of America in weird ways that that gave it a that spot. That doesn't make it a comedy, though, so... Well, it doesn't say top 100 comedies. No, it's top 100 funniest, yeah. which still... Um, I'd like to see what else is on that list, but right. I thought that was interesting. So I wanted to talk a little bit, because <laughs> like I said at the top, you told me it was one of the funniest <laughs> movies you had ever seen. Um, so what is it to you, then? Because I, because she had asked me, my, my boyfriend's mom, when she sent me that message, she's like, do you think this is funny? And why? Because she, she knows that I'm a, a film person, and I, maybe I had mentioned that it, because I talk about this movie a lot, so I don't, I don't remember if I had mentioned it before she talked about it with me. 
Um, but I couldn't really answer. I was like, I, like, I do think there are parts that are funny, but I can't quite like put my finger on why. There's something I enjoy about um, kind of a bumbling killer. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know what genre you would put that in, but um, I just think it's funny. I don't know, just the characters and the way they stumble through things and... I don't even know how to put my finger on it, but I know even this time I was laughing at stuff. And yeah, and I certainly, and I think it's interesting. I'm probably about the same age you were when you first saw it. <laughs> it may be a little bit older even, I'm not sure. Um, and and definitely, like, now I'm like, yeah, this movie's funny. Like, I laughed more than I have any other time I've watched this movie, I think. So I think maybe a lot of it comes with, for, for, for us at least, with our personalities yeah. and our senses of humor um i love the accent of practically anything yeah would say sometimes oh, in those accents. i mean in the first even more so the first time i saw it because i wasn't familiar with that accent i thought that was really funny yeah um now i still find it funny but you know maybe i've heard it more i don't know yeah that part wasn't as funny yeah but um yeah i don't know it just well you know you were sitting with me when was i laughing i don't know I don't because that was the other thing. It almost it kind of seemed like we were laughing at different parts, yeah. even. Because um, there's even stuff like like scenes that shouldn't be funny. <laughs> but I think I mean I think it's supposed to be. I don't think right. it's one of those like like oh I was laughing and I shouldn't have been. Well, again, it's not a comedy. It's more, oh, right. It's more about the characters and just things they do that are funny or ridiculous. Yeah, or, and just yeah. I think there's also in addition to the dark humor, there's just a lot of like awkwardness, which I think both of us tend to, to react to in movies like to, like the the scene where where marge is interviewing the uh the two prostitutes and she's just like oh like can you say anything else about them they were, they were just funny looking okay like, it's just like this very professional you know and like is that like she's supposed to represent like this wholesomeness not just because she was pregnant but like her you know we see her family life and we see her values and she's just represented as this wholesome character and then you see her interviewing the prostitutes and they're just like talking very candidly about this encounter they had with the funny and circumcised man her <laughs> circumspection and then oh yeah you know I, but we'll, just we'll the, talk about that with the character we will yeah we'll get much more into it i enjoyed that with her quite a bit yeah <laughs> and i think for me there's just something about the the dichotomies within this movie that i find funny like there's just things like um well just, I don't, there's just something funny about this pregnant police officer <laughs> like encountering this guy with the sh shoving his buddy in the wood chipper and she's like trying to shout over the wood chipper and can't quite get her voice loud enough and like there's just something there's just the the comparison of those two people in that situation um i mean even though she's a police officer and a very capable one like it's not like it's outlandish that she would be in that situation but there's just something about the dichotomy that i just find kind of funny yeah well it um, is the her character is very interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> just um, yeah which will definitely um get into in the next in the next couple categories i think so, so i won't say too much more about that um and i guess that's really about it i just wanted to address that like this that like there seems to be a very big split between people that think <laughs> this movie is funny well, and people that don't has our sense of humor let's just no but say that. apparently the american film institute I does which i find interesting i find that interesting as well <laughs> if it was like top thousand funniest movies i could see it being on the list but top 100 
funniest American then, movies. Is it? Did they find things funny? Like we found things funny, entertaining, or were they making fun? You know, I, I'd be interested to see kind of what their definition of funny was because it probably wasn't sure comedy. It's, it's not comedic. I writing. think people do think of it as a comedy, though. I mean, Netflix apparently categorizes it as a comedy. IMDb didn't. IMDb it was crime, drama crime, drama, sort of thriller right. were the three categories. Which even drama, I mean, it is dramatic, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's a crime, dark comedy, Definitely maybe. Crime yeah. yeah, I mean, it's Coen Brothers. Like, I think some of their, I mean, like No Country for Old Men. I don't know if you've seen that one. That one's not funny, um, but most of their movies have this very specific kind of humor, which I just that's why they're one, some of my favorite filmmakers. They're just yeah. great. But I also find a lot of like Quentin Tarantino stuff very funny and entertaining and see and i'm i'm curious to to go because i haven't seen any of his movies but i haven't seen any of his movies in a very long time but not long after i discovered this movie like i didn't think it was funny but i liked it and i was intrigued by it and then a couple years later like in in the early part of my high school years i got very into quentin tarantino and just thought like I was so highbrow for thinking that it was funny, <laughs> which is hilarious in retrospect. <laughs> I don't know about the highbrow part, but I do. Yeah, well, I just thought I was so like, like <laughs> oh, it's like people who think it's gross just don't get it. It's funny because it's so over the top. And I thought I was being so gross. insightful, exactly. <laughs> and looking back on it, I'm like, oh boy, it's a silly fourteen year old. But yeah. but I was very into Quentin Tarantino, particularly the two. Um, Kill Bill movies, I just thought were like, and they're, I mean, I haven't gone back to watch them in a very long time. I might still think they're really yeah. good. We'll um, have to do a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> I'd be down for that. Tristan won't watch them with me, so I, I need someone. Work, so. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, well, was there anything else um, that you want to talk about within plot and genre? Not really, because I didn't even have as much as you did. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I have a hard time breaking stuff down the way you do, so that's why I like to hear you say stuff, and then it sparks things, so then I know which way to go and talk about things. But um, So what was, I know you went a little bit of a different route with your rating, <laughs> but did you um, come up with the with a rating for the category? Um, I gave it an overall meets expectations just because I didn't really have any, and it didn't fall short or have any huge things like oh I forgot about that and that was a like, brilliant you know it was just yeah I thought it did what it was supposed to do and okay yeah what about you <laughs> I gave it I have a much more specific score than that I, I, I gave it a a 9.5 out of 10 oh you liked it I liked it a lot um very close to perfect um I don't really have any specific reasons for not fully giving it a perfect it just wasn't quite there for me and I I mean even get, there were a couple subcategories that I gave perfect tens to uh, I give plot structure and then the genre perfect tens and everything else was in the nine range wow. um, just because I, I try to be like I, I knew I loved this movie going into it and I knew it would be really <laughs> tempting to just give everything perfect tens so I tried to really go with my gut and be like do I really think this is perfect and if the answer was no I went with like a 9.5 okay. um, or a nine so that was true. And I, I, there are other categories that I definitely had more faults with that I didn't have as much trouble. But that's why it wasn't a perfect 10. But I just, I love the writing in this movie. I think it is one of the most well-written screenplays. And I just love the Coen brothers. And, and yeah, the, I just think the script is amazing. So. Okay. Well, I know I've, I've listened to your earlier podcasts. And I guess because of the movies 
you were giving them a lot lower rating, so I was trying to be not too <laughs> crazy high because yeah. I do enjoy this movie also. But I usually that's pre- funny, especially <laughs> especially in writing. I'm usually pretty harsh, and this is one that I just I just think it's a fantastic screenplay. Okay. Um, I just love it. Um, so that's going to bring us to to the next category, which I think we're both going to have a lot of good things to talk about here, and that's going to be writing characters. Um, And the biggest thing, there's a lot of stuff to get into with this category, Um, but one of the the biggest things that I want to talk about is the dialogue, because I just think this is some of the best dialogue possibly ever written. It is so, so great. And a lot of it just comes from the brilliant deliveries, um, which we'll get into in the next category. Um, But just the, I mean, like you have the the two main bad guys, you've got Carl and, and Gaier, man, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, you've got you've got the two the two bad guys. You've got Steve Buscemi over here, like over 150 lines of dialogue. He's just constantly talking. And then you have Gaier. According to IMDb, he has 18 lines of dialogue, and almost none of them are complete sentences. Like he just and, and I think and that's part of his character is that he does exactly not speak very much exactly. And he just, like the writing within just the the scenes with them together and their relationship and the way they work together is so great. And then with with William H. Macy's character, like, a lot of people assume he was, like, improving or that he just, like, had a really specific way of delivering lines to cause that, like, he, like, stutters a lot and, like, like, a lot of uhs and ums. But every single, every single stutter, every single um, every single, like, all of that was written. Like, he's, he's said in interviews before, he's like, I didn't, like, I delivered everything exactly, like, they made sure that, like, I had to deliver everything exactly as written. And, and I've gone, but I mean, it's hard to tell what's the shooting script and what's a script that's been kind of doctored after the movies come out, because a lot of times they'll match it up to, to be what you see in the final product. But I have read the script that's been released. And yeah, it's all there. It's, all there. it's yeah, it's some, some just fantastic dialogue. And as somebody, I, I spend a lot of time listening to people talk at my work. I listen to interviews and I transcribe it. That's what I do. So I hear a lot of people talk and you get a feel for the cadences and different kind of speech patterns. This is some of the most realistic dialogue I've heard without being boring. Because I think that's a really hard balance to be like, well, how do people talk? But how do you do that without sounding boring? And they just find the perfect balance of it feels really natural and I could listen to it all day. Well, you definitely get the feeling that that is how people speak in that part of the country. That they're oh, for sure, yeah. Very reserved, and they're not always saying everything that's on their mind. And there's a lot yeah. of things communicated, you know, without speaking. And yeah, I find that very intriguing, and you know what they say and how they look at people and what they're actually thinking. Because you, yeah. you could be lulled into thinking that they're not very intelligent, and yet I think there's a lot going on. It's just not all coming out their mouths. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there's so much, so much subtext. You even said that at one point in the movie, like, wow, there's a lot of subtext going on in this right. scene. And then you compare um, that also with, like, this Deep Bashimi character where he never stops talking. And, yeah. you know, he is probably not nearly as intelligent <laughs> as oh, the, yeah. the Francis McDermott character who hardly says anything, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting, the contrasting there. And, and then the, do you get the feeling, I don't know if it's just the character and it just happened, the, the Swedish guy who is really Swedish. Yes. Did he not speak much? Every now and then when he did speak, you could kind of pick up a little bit of his Swedish accent. I'm wondering if they didn't have him speak because he doesn't speak good English or they just happens to be the character doesn't speak much. I, I think it's combo. just, I think it's just the character. Yeah. Um, 
Although he, they did specifically, because I guess that same actor was offered a role in Miller's Crossing, which is an earlier Coen Brothers movie, and he declined the role for whatever reason, mm. and then, like, instantly regretted it once the movie came Got out. <laughs> and the, But then they offered him, like, I don't even think he auditioned, they just offered him this role. Yeah. So they must have had some familiarity with him, and I don't know that they necessarily wrote the part for him yeah. specifically, but... Seeing him now, because I always remembered Francis McDermott. That was the main person that I remembered in that yeah. movie. And then seeing it this time, I really felt like, I hate saying the Swedish guy all the time, but the Swedish guy, <laughs> um, he was a really dynamic character in this. Like, Yeah. Maybe even the main character. He was just... Yeah. Yeah. He probably had about the same amount of screen time as anyone else, if not yeah. more. I mean, his reaction shots are like half the movie, it yeah. seemed. It's great. <laughs> and he was a driving force in the plot. I mean, I just... Absolutely. I really liked his character and found him very intriguing. Maybe because he didn't speak a lot, you know? I don't know. Yeah. He definitely... I mean, we'll get more into this with acting and casting, but there's definitely just... Just the way he looks at people, like, like he says so much without saying anything, um, which I just think is is great. And that's, yeah. you know, that comes from the script first, and then they got an actor who was really able to to carry it through. So it's, it's well, definitely... And you start to wonder, who's he going to kill next? <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's just like, man, he's just capable. I mean, for someone particularly, like, the first person we see him kill is a cop, and... I mean, even criminals know, like, that, you can kill anyone, but not a cop. Like, yeah. that's, you're instantly going to get caught once you do that. Like, that's, you, this is, like, the one thing you don't do. Um, and so the tab that be the first person we see and kill is like, oh, he's capable of anything. Like, he's, he's capable of anything. Which also makes the tension in the final scene so much more. Like, it's like, oh, no, this could end really yeah. badly. I don't have, like, our pregnant protagonist with this guy who hesitates or doesn't hesitate at all with killing right. anybody and he's shoving his best friend in the woodshed or not best friend whatever they his were worker, yeah <laughs> they probably weren't friends at all but I don't know why I said best friend but you know, he's putting him in a wood chipper and you know like he, he's capable of anything um, so yeah just I mean that goes more back into like plot structure and just the just the way the script works and the way the characters work and it's just some really <laughs> solid stuff. I love this movie. <laughs> and I do think it's like a lot of times like I'll really love a movie and then it gets like no critical acclaim and I'm always kind of like, really? <laughs> and this movie actually won Best Original Screenplay at the Academy oh, it Awards. It did. Yeah. Um, which I think is largely because that the year, uh, this was uh, 1996, which is the same year The English Patient came out, <laughs> which, which beat this movie in almost every category. And I think the only reason it won... Best original screenplay is because the English Patient was an adapted screenplay, so it wasn't in competition with that one. Um, but still, it still won, and and it deserves it because, man, this is a solid screenplay. It is some good stuff. Um, I also one last thing I wanted to talk about um, as far as my notes that I have on characters. I just loved the scene because it's completely unnecessary to the plot, in all honesty. But the scene where it's Marge talking with Mike, the the. Um, Asian Minnesotan yeah. <laughs> and just like um, just their interactions like it's such and, and this goes back to what I was saying with the humor of like I think we respond to awkwardness or, or at least I know I do and it seemed like we were both laughing in that scene where it's like this is so awkward but we learn so much about her character because like there's the part where like he awkwardly goes and sits next <laughs> to her and I feel like in a lot of movies it would be like oh he's gonna sit next to her and this is gonna be awkward for the rest of the scene yeah. and her response is just great she's like no, why don't you sit over there? I'd prefer that. And then, and then, but then she's like really nice about it, and like she becomes apologetic after he moves. We're like, no, 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 
it's fine. I know you didn't mean anything. It's fine. I just didn't want to turn my neck. It's fine. It's well, she's fine. She's trying to be nice, but she was deflecting a situation exactly. that she saw could go a place she didn't want it to go. Exactly. And but then she finds out later that he's that like he was crazy. crazy. Person. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so just the way she hand- like it just shows her. I guess, competence and her agency. Because I feel like so often in movies, we just see these women in these awkward situations. And I'm like, you can do something to deflect this. I just think that that, like, we learned so much about her character and just that, like, not even the whole scene, but just that one interaction (laughs) of like, no, why don't you sit over there? Like, it's just like, she wasn't mean about it. She was super nice, but she saw something she didn't like and didn't put up with it. Like, it's just a great... Um, a great little moment. Like, I just, I yeah. love that scene. And I wonder if she felt some weird vibes coming off of him. This is totally just, you know, extrapolation. But when he's talking about um, his what who she thought was his wife dying yeah. of leukemia and getting all, he was getting all emotional. I mean, my reaction would have been, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, even just to try and be comforting. And she just kind of looked at him. Yeah. And I thought that was sort of weird. And then you find out later that it wasn't even true he was making everything up and i just wonder if they were trying to show that maybe she felt some weird vibes coming off of him that could or... be absolutely i mean she is a you know police officer right. with the with instinct and all that like yeah. the, the police instinct yeah um, and i think too, i mean he does make some comment too like when he's crying he's like i'm just so lonely right. like that's a weird th- like i get it of course you would be lonely right. assuming what he said was true which we right. out it wasn't even but like it's and like she okay. didn't jump to that bait, which I could see. But just the whole yeah. like she never even really, you know. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, she didn't fall down that rabbit hole at all. Right. And I'm just wondering if it was supposed to show that you know. Yeah. She wasn't quite thinking he was truthful or right, which I didn't even get until later when you find out he wasn't truthful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did we find out um, or not? I guess did they just show us like when she was on the phone, like did she call somebody and like specifically ask about him or did someone call her and she just no, mentioned I think she it? was talking to some other friend that she must have known that was in like in high school with them. or something oh. and it came up that she had mm. seen him and then it came out that he was never married to that girl, and that girl yeah. was perfectly She wasn't alive. Adult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a total yeah. fabrication. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he was playing her. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. That was, now that you bring that up, I'd kind of forgotten about that whole scene. And it's, yeah, it did show us some stuff about her. But on the whole, it was really superfluous to everything else going on. So, was that just... To kind of let us see a little bit more of her? It was just... I was reading some some trivia just because I, I love this movie so much. So I was curious what some of the trivia was. And one of the things that came up was that um, the Coen brothers have said, like, yeah, we wrote that scene later because we wanted... Like, especially because she gets introduced so late. That, like, we wanted to have some character development that wasn't just her okay. on the case. Like, we wanted to show her... Not as a wife and not as a police officer, but just as a person, okay. like, independent of those things. So they, like, wrote this scene in yeah. and added it in, which I think just works great. And especially because, like, like, I feel like watching it, like, the first, maybe not the first time I watched it because I was, like, 12 and didn't really know what was going on <laughs> in a lot of ways. But, like, oh, like, when I'm older and watch it, it's like, oh, man, like, uh, as a woman, this makes me so uncomfortable because it's like, what is he going to try? Like, is he going to try and kiss her? Is he going to, like... You know, she's going to hug him to console him and he's going to take it the wrong way. Like, there's, like, a weird tension there of, like, 
even if what he's saying is true, there, there's something yeah. off. Why did he want to meet with her? And now seeing she is married and pregnant and everything else, he's yeah. still pursuing it, apparently. Oh, right. Yeah, she's like eight months pregnant, yeah. and, and he's... Can hardly hug her because of her big yeah, exactly. He wants to come and sit next to her, so... Yeah. She must have been getting some vibes. Yeah. That, that wasn't quite exactly at the least. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I just love that scene, even though it really... As far as the plot goes, like, I mean, you could take it out and it would not change right. much. That's what I was just thinking now when um, you're talking about it at the time. Of course, I'm not thinking anything about it. But then yeah. now looking back on it, it's like, that's a weird thing to have in there. I don't know. <laughs> but it makes sense that it's just sort of showing her character. Yeah. And her small town roots. Because here they're talking about these people oh, yeah. that they went to high school with, you know, 10, 15, 20 years before. Absolutely. And yet they still know all their names and they married each other and, you know, yeah. very small town. Exactly, yeah. And one last thing that, uh, this is another piece of trivia that I found, um, just going through IMDb, um, <laughs> but I thought this was interesting. <laughs> I guess the uh, the Coen brothers had asked both um, Francis McDormand and forgot his name. I really need to get better at names. But the actor who plays um, her husband, and I don't even remember his first name, Mr. Gunderson, I guess. Um, but the actor who plays her husband, they had, they had approached them and asked them, like, we want you to come up with backstories for your characters. Like, they gave them, like, a homework assignment. And I guess the, the storyline that they came up with was that they were, they met while they were both like officers in the like police officers and then they got married and weren't allowed to both be police officers that so to decide who to like who would quit and they decided that she could be she should stay a police officer because she was the better officer and he would like quit and focus on his painting um which i think is really cool and i guess maybe in the i guess in like the it would have been like the 70s or 80s probably because she had mentioned they were married for a long time at one point in the movie and the movie takes place i think in 87 i think um, which seems weird. I guess that just adds to like the it's a true story. See, we're going back a ways. Um, so yeah, it was probably a while ago that they got married, probably in the seventies sometime. So I guess maybe then they would have more strict rules. It depends. They're probably know. a smaller town with a small police force. If you only have five or ten people on your force, it might be weird having a married couple. That's or a, true. Or a I could see that. Yeah. So now they kept talking about him as being a painter. And I kept thinking of him as being like a house painter. Was he an artistic kind of painter? He was, yeah, he was on, he painted like. But they never showed hmm. any of his paintings, did they? I think they were in the background at oh. one point. Because oh, he paints okay. like, like landscapes and animals and stuff. And that's what they're talking mm-hmm. about at the end of like, like he gets his, his painting of a mallard on the three cent right. stamp or something. Okay. Um, so I think that's about all that I had within writing characters. Um, I know there's a lot more that's going to come in with the next category, um, which is acting and casting as far as characters go. Um, but was there anything else you wanted to add as far as, um, just the writing character section goes? Nope. All right. Uh, so how did, how did you rate this section? So I gave it an exceeds expectation. So just kind of a round number seven because I thought it was really good. I really liked the characters. That's one of my favorite parts of this movie is the the characters and their interaction and all of that. So yeah, I gave them exceeds. All right. Could even hedge up towards outstanding. I, uh, yeah, but it's in there. <laughs> all right. 
Um, I gave it a, a pretty high score as well. I gave it an 8.8 .8 out of 10, um, which I consider to be in the outstanding range. Mm -hmm. And it would have been, uh, like Plot and Genre, it would have been much closer to the perfect range. Um, but the only thing that got slightly lower scores than anything else was the um, character inner needs and character arcs, just because I felt like the character of Marge Gunderson, for as much development as we get with her and for as likable as she is, we don't really know her driving force, like, why is she, I mean, other than that she's a police officer, why is she so invested in this? Um, and she doesn't really have any kind of arc, which I don't think, like, I didn't, you know, I still gave both of those categories 7 out of 10, so I, I still gave it more than more than average, um, and certainly didn't dock at any points, because um, I don't think that this is a movie that necessarily calls for it. Like, we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of different outer goals and a lot of different things themes going like this is more a movie about themes to me than about the characters as far as like inner needs and stuff go um so I was pretty okay with it but it's still um I, I still couldn't quite call it perfect so those two <laughs> got lower but all the other subcategories I gave perfect 10 out of 10s to easily um so so that's where the, the 8.8 out of 10 came from so what is the definition of a character arc that's like um like basically character growth so like they have to learn a lesson usually um a good example is is Thor, as I <laughs> recently reviewed that with Tristan. Um, but that's a great example of a character arc. Like he starts off really arrogant, loses his powers, has to learn how to be worthy, and by the end he is willing to sacrifice himself. I guess spoilers for Thor if you haven't seen Thor, but <laughs> you know, so that's like his his arc of of his okay. like his growth. Yeah, I could see she didn't really go through anything like that. Which I, I mean, like I said, I don't think this is a movie that calls for it. Um, I'm trying to think hmm. of any of the other characters, really, if anyone had a... See, and I don't think anyone. I think everybody everybody just kind of stays the same. But it's more about... Because it is more about the themes and stuff, so it's more about, like, here's this person and how they are, here's this person and how they are. Let's, like, contrast them. Let's compare and contrast and, and look at the dichotomies between them and, and study the themes that way, as opposed to one character who starts off greedy and corrupt and ends up right. wholesome or whatever you know like it's it's more about here's a greedy corrupt person and here's and this what you know <laughs> exactly um which i like actually i do it's too not trying to teach us anything it's just showing maybe the outcome of that behavior and that exactly personality and yeah so i think it was really well done mm -hmm. i just and i still gave it like i said i gave it um, exceeds expectations for um, for inner needs and for arcs, but just couldn't quite give it more <laughs> than that. So, so yeah, anything else you wanted to add for writing characters before we move on to acting and casting? Nope, I'm ready to move on. All right, uh, so the next ca category then is going to be acting and casting. And then, so I just think, <laughs> I, I mean, it's just amazing. Like, the every aspect of it yeah, is great. This is my highest category and my favorite category also. It's it's definitely yeah, I I gave it very very high scores. Um and just things like I mean just the accent. None of those people have that <laughs> accent and they pull it off and I guess they actually all the the main cast members all bought this book called How to Talk Minnesotan <laughs> and then use that book to help them. I'm sure there was a dialect coach on set too, I'm but sure, yeah. yeah, but I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so just that, like, they get the accents down, and even just, like, just the casting choices, like, these all look like real people. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, they make the joke constantly about Steve Buscemi, and like, oh, he's, a, he's a kind of funny looking. <laughs> yeah, which, what, you know, he kind of is, but, like, you know, these aren't Hollywood stars. They're, you know, William H. Macy has some, like, he's, he's just a unique looking guy, not in a bad yeah. way, he's not ugly, but he's, 
he has a very distinct look. They're not generic-y looking. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're not... They're just unique looking, but they look like everyday people at the same time. It's, it's just great. Just the <laughs> just the casting choices overall were just fantastic. Um, line deliveries were amazing. And, and I just really love the, like, the facial reactions throughout. Like, particularly, we were talking about... Um, Gaier, <laughs> the, the Swedish guy. <laughs> yeah. His eyes were just very, um, I don't know what, sociopathic or anything. <laughs> something, yeah. There's just something about the way he, like, even when it, like, when they're talking, like, he wants to go get pancakes and Steve Buscemi wants to go pick up prostitutes and he's like, I'm hungry, I want pancakes. And, like, the way he looks at Steve Buscemi in that scene is like. They said anything and they ended up going to get pancakes. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I guess we're getting pancakes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, so just, like, things like that where it's, like, man, his reactions are yeah. are just fantastic. And even, uh, like, Steve Buscemi, like, he's constantly talking throughout the whole movie. And then you have the scene where um, where the, the Swedish guy, like, he, <laughs> he, he kills the, the police officer. And then you just see there's, like, a pretty decently long shot that's just Steve Buscemi not saying anything. Just his reaction shot, he's got, like, blood spatters on his face, and he just has this look on his face of, like, oh, crap. Like, that. Like <laughs> we're, we're in it now. Like, and he's, like, finally shuts up for the first time in the movie, and just the look on his face is just perfect. Like, it's not overdone. It's very, very subtle. Um, it's just fantastic. And even the secondary characters, like, the, the scene where, where she's talking with the two prostitutes is, like, one of the best scenes in the movie, because, like, all their performances are just, like... It's a lot of subtle stuff going on, a lot of kind of silly stuff going on. Like, and it's just like her her facial expressions as she's listening to their account is just like, oh, okay, like, yeah. and just like, just there, like the the line deliveries, the facial expressions, everything. At the same that time, scene. she's acting so professionally, and she's not judging, but she's also yeah. taking in information and reading between the lines of what they're Absolutely. saying. Yeah, even though they're not saying much of anything, and it's just. And all done without really much speaking. It's, yeah. it's pretty yeah, good acting. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And she actually, um, she won, Frances McDormand, she won Best Actress for, for her performance. She which did, yeah. Oh, yeah, which I, I'm so <laughs> glad because, man, she's so good. And to be, she's not in the first third of the movie. That's like, funny. Like, it's, it's amazing. Um, and William H. Macy, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but lost to Cuba Gooding Jr. for um, Jerry Maguire, <laughs> um, which I haven't seen, so I can't say if that's warranted or not. I know a lot of people were really happy when he won, um, and I believe it was a historic win. I think he was the first African-American to win any acting role, not just supporting. Really? I think. I could be wrong on that. Wow. Or no. Uh, did City Point? Yeah, he won way before. So it must have been for Best Supporting Actor. Okay. But anyway, so so William H. Macy lost, which I guess I'm okay with. But he, <laughs> he was amazing, too. Um, now, was he up for, for actor or supporting actor? He was actor. up for supporting actor. Supporting actor, okay. Yeah, which yeah. seems like I don't know who would be considered the lead actor. That Unless this movie just doesn't have... Or maybe Steve Buscemi was the... Like, I don't know who would be considered... And see, uh, watching it this time, I really liked the Swedish guy. <laughs> so sorry, Swedish guy. Um, his, but I really. I mean, liked we can look him. up his real name again. I probably won't be able to pronounce it anyway. <laughs> well, his first name's Peter. That's All easy. Right, let's call him Peter. And a uh, Stormare. Stormare. I think is this okay. how you say his last name. Um, but just the things that he was able to do and convey, and the character. 
I just really enjoyed him this time. Just, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, he's this hardened guy and he's doing all the killing, really. And, yeah. you know, he, he reacted and chased after the one car in the first scene and, you know, killed off the witnesses. Yeah. And then at the end, he's sitting there watching. He's apparently yeah. killed a lady. And then he was sitting there watching some old romantic movie and getting all gushy about <laughs> I think it was <laughs> the it's romance. E- it's even better than an old romantic movie. I'm pretty sure it was a soap, soap opera. opera. Yeah. It like. it was like he's a... totally into this soap opera. And it's like, wow, this guy's mind is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> How he can go from, you know, we didn't even see it, but apparently just knocking over this lady because she was making too much noise. To right. Getting teary-eyed over a soap opera. Is yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, just the look when she's like, I'm pregnant. And then the look on his face is like, holy shit. <laughs> like, it's just a great moment. You know, saying like, that, then when he sees the pregnant sheriff, I wonder if he had a little bit of a soft spot for her and didn't immediately try to kill her because, yeah, interesting. Maybe. I mean, she did have a gun. He didn't have a weapon on him. Yeah, but... but- he might have found because we didn't see how he managed to. She managed to get him in the car. Maybe the backup came and that's helped true. her. Well, she shot him in the leg. Oh, that's right. They did go across the leg, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And he did throw a wooden block at her head. True. <laughs> but compared to what he did to some of the other people, it's that true. Was it's true. Fairly. And maybe he couldn't tell she was pregnant under all the clothing she had. Yeah, it is a little hard to tell. <laughs> but just saying that, I wonder if. if you know, there's supposed to be some more subtext there that he's got something in his character I mean, there or his could mother be. or somebody that yeah. he had a thing for pregnant women Maybe. protecting them. Or, I don't know. So I, was like, I kind of thought I'd have more to talk about within this category, but we kind of <laughs> talked about quite a bit of it in, we in did. characters. And I think there, it's probably going to come up again in some of the other categories yeah. um, as well, just because it's such a, a prominent force in the movie, I guess. <laughs> just, yeah. uh, it comes up a lot. And I think it's um, easy to say that we both liked the acting and casting. And- oh, yeah. Um, what was your... your how, how, did, how did you categorize it, I guess, since you didn't quite score it. No, I didn't score it, but I gave it an outstanding. So this was, like I said, my highest um, of the categories just because I really enjoy the characters. Um, I don't always remember a lot of things from movies, and one of the things that I remembered even not having seen it for 15 or 20 years was just some of those characters and the acting and the, you know, the way they spoke and some of the lines came back you know, that I had remembered liking when we were watching it this time. And just, I really just enjoy them. Yeah, I agree. I gave it, I gave it a perfect 10 out of 10. (laughs) Um, I just think it's, it's some fantastic acting and and the casting, especially like just have such a a unique looking cast that is also so talented (laughs) and just like, man, yeah, it's so good. Well, and they've gone on since then and maybe they had previous also, but they've gone on to all Except for Peter, but I don't know as much as that he's done. But he's been in a lot of stuff, but yeah. not nothing that I've really seen. Like he's yeah. one of those people. Like his IMDb page is pretty long, and it looked like I just kind of skimmed it because um, you had mentioned he looked familiar and you yeah. weren't sure. So I was like, oh, I wonder. So I just skimmed it very briefly, and it looked like he was in maybe a lot of TV shows, oh. um, like since like in the last five or ten years, um, but not a ton of movies. But <laughs> but like I said, I was just skimming to see if I could find something I recognized. Yeah. Um, but like you said, he'd been in John Wick, and I really like those movies. And the, so, it looked like just the second the John second Wick, one, so but yeah, so, and I, I think no I only idea. saw that once, so I have to go back mm. and see it again anyway. But yeah, yeah, now I'd be curious to see how much he speaks or doesn't speak in that movie. Yeah, or if you, I mean, I have no idea how big his part is. He could be right. in one scene, you know. I have no idea. Yeah. 
Um, well, and there's a lot of silent acting in that movie also. Yeah, well, there you go. shooting and whatnot. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're seeing a theme with movies that I like. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> All right, uh, so that's going to bring us um, to, uh, we have our two cinematography categories coming up, which I know... I, I'm, I'm probably going to go on some pretty long rants here. I apologize in advance, but I just love the cinematography in this movie. Most of these categories, I just said meets expectations because I didn't really have any. It just, nothing okay. stood out, but it didn't, nothing stood out in a good or a bad way. It was just yeah. you know, kind of behind the scenes for me. So let's hear what you All have right. to say. All right. So the first thing right off the, right off the top that I'm going to say about cinematography is that um, uh, the cinematographer, Richard Deakins, is one of my favorite cinematographers. He's probably my favorite cinematographer. Um, and I tend, uh, like, I'm trying to get better about paying attention to things like who the cinematographer is, who the editor is, who the composer is, things like that. Because um, it's easy to just not pay attention to. Um, so so to be fair, I, I tend not to pay attention. <laughs> but if I do make a point of like, oh man, the cinematography was beautiful. Who was the cinematographer? Nine times out of ten, it's Richard Deakins. Like, he's just, like, he just, he's just amazing. And he just won his first Academy Award this year for Blade Runner 2049, which I don't even think was his best work. It's beautiful, but not his best work. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that he didn't win for this movie in particular um, just drives me up the wall. Because I think it is just some of the most beautiful cinematography um, most of what I have to say does come within the second half of this category, though, which is the, the more the camera work aspects of cinematography. Um, but the lighting is just just amazing as well. There's a lot of like um, neo-noir kind of lighting, which I am a total sucker for, which is one of the reasons I love the Coen brothers so much. Um, so what I mean by neo-noir, it's a lot of like high contrast, a lot of darkness, a lot of smoky rooms, um, which this movie didn't do much, but there was enough that I was like, oh, I love it. Like, uh, particularly, uh, I believe it was right after, again, right after they shoot the the police officer, and there, you know, you see the reaction shot of, of Steve Buscemi's face, and it's got, like, just the, the shaft of light on his eyes, and the rest of his face is in darkness, and then you see, like, the, the contrast of the, like, bright blood on his face that isn't like a lot of times people go for that effect and it just looks like ketchup on their face or something like it still looks natural but it was very high contrast um and then you've got the smoke from uh, when it goes to <sighs> guy here swedish guy what peter. Uh, peter i was like i already <laughs> forgot his real name peter when peter. it goes to when it goes to his like he's you know he's smoking a cigarette and you've got just the the plumes of smoke um which i am just a sucker for anytime you can see as much as i hate cigarettes they just look beautiful on film i hate that they do but they do so did you um, like all the breath shots in the cabin where they were oh yeah breathing? oh yeah i just love it okay. um, anytime you can see any kind of like texture to the air like that like whether it be you know fog you know smoke you know the br- seeing breath or yeah. cigarette smoke any kind of like texture to the air I'm just a sucker for it. Even if it's like, looks super unnatural. It's like, where did that even come from? I'm like, I don't care. It's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm a sucker for it. And this movie didn't go overboard with it at all. It, it did feel very natural in this movie. Um, but then, and even things like, 
um, all of the exterior shots. Like, it's so overcast. Like, it's just the lighting, which, which obviously but that's the, not... But the snow shots, I thought, were really well done, where you just get these fields of white, and that's oh, yeah. very pretty, with a little bit of brown in here and there. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that was, the like, the very first note I wrote for, for anything with this movie, which is, like, so much white. <laughs> it's just so much snow. Yeah. And, like, the opening shot of the movie is just, like this white landscape, you almost don't even know what you're looking at at first, and you kind of start to make out the fence on the side, and then you slowly, like, oh, there's a car driving towards us. Like, that opening shot is just so good. Um, <laughs> and there's so many shots like that, um, which, which that's getting a little bit more into camera work. But, um, um, yeah, just the the color palettes, I guess, and the way the, like, the overcast is used, which, which he can't control the weather, but he was still able to... I'm sure it wasn't overcast every day he filmed, but he managed to make it look that way, right. you know, like whatever he was doing. Um, so just the the lighting is just gorgeous. Um, and then even things like um, there's a scene and this kind of this goes into to lighting camera work and even a little bit of the like aesthetics. Like it's kind of a combination of things <laughs> like there's a scene where um, the scene where um, God, I'm so bad with names. They say these people's names so many times. The dad. Um, yeah, what was his name? I forget his name. I want to say Gunderson, but that's not the dad. That's the husband. Um, Gustafsson. I was close. Oh, Gustafsson. They all have these Swedishy names. Yeah, which I guess is like like a lot of a lot of that part of the world is really <laughs> Scandinavian. I had to look it up because I was yeah, like, I've never. Ones you could deal with the snow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the cold weather. <laughs> I think like twenty percent of. Uh, Seems like what, all the names in this movie had some sort of a sound like that. The, yeah. The main characters, anyway. Anyway, so, so Gustafsson, when he gets shot and he's wearing, like, that big down coat yeah. and then the feathers just go Hooped flying, <laughs> which is just great. And obviously that's, you know, partly the, the costume design of having that coat and having the feathers come out, like, those props and costumes. <laughs> but then just the, the way it was lit so that you see like the you see the feathers and then it kind of got like it looks like snow but it wasn't snowing in that scene but it you know it feels natural but it's also this really <laughs> unnatural thing because he was just violently murdered like it's just i just thought that was was even though it was a very violent death and it was gruesome like it was kind of beautiful like i mean that's a weird <laughs> thing to say about a death scene but i mean it was just so well shot um, and then there's also things within the cinematography um that i really liked of things like uh, like like during the kidnapping scene where it's like kind of funny for some reason even though it's like completely terrifying <laughs> like there's this like when the when she was a little slapstick you know the shower curtain she was going down the steps which which like it was which funny, is terrible but it's but yeah it wasn't portrayed maybe it was the music or something i don't know i think but, i think it's because there wasn't music yeah normally there's like a you know like dramatic. Oh, this is, it was just like Oh my gosh, you were just like a ghost it. in this shower curtain. And exactly. And I think had they put in like some some dramatic music, yeah. it would have been like this is Scary. terrifying. Yeah. But because that wasn't there, like that the the very dark I can't express <laughs> that enough. It is very dark humor. But like and even like like she's sitting there knitting, watching the news or whatever, and then like the guy just like walks up with the ski mask and a crowbar and is like looking in her she's window. She's just looking at him like, what is this? I mean, what would you do? Like, I feel like that's what I would do. I mean, especially because like they live in the snow. Like, maybe she was like, maybe he's just lost. Like, I don't. Do people wear ski masks? Like, surely that must come from. Some, like well, I they don't know. might, but they don't have a crowbar and they don't come well, up yeah. looking in the window. Well, yeah. And... I mean, it's a very unsettling. I don't know. I'm just yeah. trying to rationalize her reaction. Although I'm pretty sure. 
Maybe she was it's just so him. startled. Was right. So I mean, what context. do you, yeah. What do you do? Like, yeah. Like, I feel like I would be the type of person that would just like my fight or flight would be. Well, she did at least freeze. fly when, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, he, he broke the window. So it wasn't like she was just totally incapacitated, but right. Um, yeah, but just that, that was a strange reaction. I would have been doing something or at least a weird look on my face. And she's just like looking and like, well, she, oh, looked, a, she looked a little strange. confused. I think it was, Yeah. But so that whole scene, like, starting from there, and then, like you said, when she, like, hides in the bathroom and then, like, comes out of the shower, and it's like, like, this is terrifying, and yet something about the, the like, the camera work, like, I think it's mostly yeah. the cinematography, is like, oh, this is, like, letting the, the dark humor of the movie come through, and, and <laughs> like, kind of, like, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel awful that I'm laughing, but I'm nearly positive this is the intended yeah. response. <laughs> like, well, the only part where I really felt scared for her is when she goes in the bedroom and she gets the phone and she's trying to dial, and then you feel that she's afraid, and you feel yeah. that she's trying to do something. And then when they find her, it was just kind of silly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even, and this one... I don't think either of us actually, like, laughed out loud in the scene because it is much more unsettling. But there's still, like, a, a humor there is when, like, she gets out of the car and they're at the cabin and she's, like, running around with her hands tied. And, yeah, and he's and sort of laughing and he's la And I think yeah. that's what makes it so unsettling is it's, like, okay, there's kind of a dark humor here. But then, like, but then he starts laughing. It's, like, oh, like, when the characters start thinking yeah. it's funny, that's when it gets, like, unsettling. They're making fun of her, and that's not nice, you know? Yeah, exactly. So but, I thought that that scene was handled yeah. really well, too. But then Peter didn't really react. He just kind of watched her. It was, oh, yeah, he was just, you know, Carl like, who was hmm. laughing her, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I just thought the like, the camera work with it, I mean, it was obviously... A lot of it was the sound design, a lot of it was the writing, but the cinematography there, too, as far as, like, the way things were framed and the way, you know, the camera, like, there were a lot of slow zoom in on things. It just gives you, like, this almost, like, an impending doom feel. Like, there, there's even one thing where they're in the cabin and, like, the TV's not working and Carl's sitting there hitting the TV and swearing and having a fit. It's just, like, a slow zoom on the static of the TV. And, like, that shouldn't be that intense of a scene. It's a staticky TV, but it's just the, the so much tension. And then you get, the, like, that well, slow push. it makes you push. think, you know, is Peter just going to up and shoot him because he's being so annoying? Right. You know? And then the girl just almost becomes incidental at this point. Like, she's in the background, but they, oh, yeah. you don't see any violence against her. You don't see yeah. her do anything. And then next thing you know, she's dead. It's like, oh. Yeah. And then you're not even really sure until they you know, the very end that she was dead. I thought she was dead when she went down the stairs. Yeah. And then she wasn't. And then <laughs> she was just kind of incidental to the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole, to... like, like she drove the whole plot as yeah. far as, like, like her kidnapping is, is right. the whole thing. And, yeah, she's just completely incidental. Yeah. And completely, for like, even... Even the husband scene, even the Jerry seems to forget about her at times. Like he's so focused he on the money. the money, yeah. and then even when he like he calls uh, he calls Carl and he says I I don't even remember her name. That's how incidental she is. That's awful. But Terry, Terry, Terry. That sounds right. So. Yeah, and he's like he's like well where like where's Terry? And he's like who? He's like what do you mean who? My wife. Well, then he's he like, starts oh, getting yeah. worried. That was about the only time he seemed kind of worried about her. Exactly. Like maybe they'd done something. He just assumed they were going to take care of her. Yeah. I mean, even you when know? they say, like, there's been bloodshed, he's not like, is Terry okay? Like, yeah. he's just like, oh, like, oh, okay. Was. Yeah. Um, the only uh, one that yeah. was really worried about her was the kid. And then. Exactly. Yeah. Even the dad was the just dad like. about the kid. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of disconnected emotions. And <laughs> yeah. And that <laughs> poor that kid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel bad for, for Terry, too, but poor Scotty. Like, he just lost both his parents, and his yeah. dad just abandoned him to be, like, 
<laughs> Sorry, I just accidentally had your mom killed. I'm going to go on the run now. Good luck with your weird, yeah. distant grandfather. Well, the grandfather was dead. Oh, yeah, he was dead. Never mind. He was dead before that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how I forgot about that. So, yeah, who's going to take care of this kid? I don't think they even, like, boarded up the windows or living in a house with holes in it in the middle of winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, you, you stay here, Scotty. I'll yeah. be back. And he's like, okay. Well, he totally forgot about him at that one time. When yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I got to tell him about this. I'll I'll, I'll talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting interplays. The corruption of the American dream. You forget all about the real things that matter and and focus so much on money. Because why did he even... Did they ever say why he wanted this money? I feel like there was a really specific reason, but it it was so incidental. I don't even remember. There were two things that were brought up. And I think, though, that the main one was he had done something, scammed GMAC, the lending people, for... for, Oh, and that was before. For, like, like... Okay, so he had done that. thousands of dollars, and he was trying okay. to recoup that. And then he had some scheme to build a parking lot, and he was hoping to get money yeah. out of that. Right. So all of these things were trying to pay back, I think, to pay back GMAC, because if he got caught, he was going to okay. be in big trouble. Right, yeah, he was going to be in jail for yeah. 20 years, probably. Was, you know, 300-some thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, so I think that was the driving force, is that he had done some embezzling or whatnot at work. Yeah. And then he was just trying to come up with all these schemes to fix it. I also really liked, I don't quite know, I guess this would be, I don't know, I I didn't really quite know where to put this. I guess maybe it could go under aesthetics as well, or even characters. But there were so many scenes of people eating, which you almost never (laughs) see in movies. And almost ever, especially Especially her. She was like fast food all the time. Yeah, which I mean, I I get that that's the the stereotype. I mean, I've I've never been pregnant, so I can't, and everyone's different anyway, but like... I think it hits both the pregnant woman and the police officer. I'm surprised she wasn't eating donuts, but (laughs) she was trying to be a little healthier. But yeah, Yeah. they were always going to some fast food and she was eating... Yeah. But even at that buffet she had, they had like two yeah. plates of food each. I'm like, oh my. Yeah. And the only the only <laughs> dish, like, this is one of the things I read in the trivia, the only dish that she skipped, because she was like going through getting like everything in that buffet line. And yeah, she what like. What was that? I couldn't read the. I forget what it was it called. Like stickers or something, but I'm sure it was. No, it's some sort of weird Scandinavian fish dish that's basically like fish soaked in like lye. And it turns into like this gelatinous substance, and everyone's like, like they're like, it's an acquired taste yeah. for sure. It's very Scandinavian. It's super yeah. Scandinavian, but more people eat it in Scandinavia than in Sweden. Like for you mean in Minnesota? Yeah. What did I say? Scandinavia. <laughs> well, no, more people eat it in Minnesota. Yeah. Than in than in no, Sweden. You said more people eat it in. Scandinavia oh. than in Sweden. Oh yeah, no, that's so you meant make in sense. Minnesota. In Minnesota, then. yeah. Sorry, I was thinking two steps ahead and I got ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, more people okay, eat it. That makes more sense. Okay. Yeah, more people eat this weirdly specific Scandinavian dish, but just in the state of it. yeah. But she skipped it. Um, but I just thought, and I had no idea that that Scandinavia was such an influence on Minnesota. But I guess it's like I said, like twenty percent of the population has Scandinavian ancestry yeah. and. That's surprised. Which, which kind of makes me want to, like, maybe... Because I, I tend to have an affinity for, like, all things Scandinavian, even though, I mean, I have Scandinavian blood, but I've never been there. I don't have any... Right. And nobody I know has ever been there. Like, it's it's distant enough that it's... <laughs> but but I just... From when I was a kid, I'm just like, if anything, like, Pippi Longstocking was my favorite book for a long time, or movie. I don't remember which I experienced first, but, like, yeah. it's Pippi Longstocking, Ikea, 
Swedish meatballs, like whatever. <laughs> if it's Scandinavian, I'm probably gonna love it. Specifically, if it's Swedish, I'm probably gonna love it. Um, Swedish music, I love Swedish pop, ABBA, like you name it. Yeah. So it's funny that I loved this movie so much, and there seems to be. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a little bit more indirect, but there seems to be some sort of Scandinavian influence, at least as far as... Just all the names and everything else. And Yeah, yeah, all the names. And and the actress who played um, Jean, it was Jean, it wasn't Terry. Oh, it was Jean. Jean. um, The actress who played Jean was actually born in Fargo, North Dakota, and her name is super Swedish. I I forget what her real name is. Really? But her name was like, like, it even had like a... Is it an umlaut when it's the two dots over a mm-hmm. U? Her name has an umlaut in it and everything. So I'm like, that's a really Swedish name. Huh. But she's from Fargo, North Dakota. So I just had no that's idea funny. there was such an influence. Now I'm kind of like, I kind of want to go to North Dakota or Minnesota, <laughs> like somewhere for a very short trip, not very long, uh-huh. and ideally in summer. <laughs> but They get pretty hot and humid there sometimes in the summer, too. I thought that was funny when those guys were in the driveway talking about, you know, the the guy they saw and a possible murder and stuff. And then they just start looking at this guy and like, yep, it's going to get cold. Yeah. (laughs) Cold front coming in. (laughs) Yeah. I guess actually, this is kind of interesting. I thought, I guess, um, when they, because they actually went to, I I think most of the movie was filmed in Minnesota and it was like the warmest winter or the second, the second warmest winter on record ever. So they had to like drive all over the Midwest and up to Canada to find snow. And then a lot of the snow is fake, which how does it look so good with like, cause it it looks amazing. Well, it's probably cause it doesn't melt when it's fake. (laughs) Well, yeah. They're using snow machines and making real snow. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I didn't, it didn't say how they made the fake snow. (laughs) Probably a snow machine and making it, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was kind of funny. And so then a lot of the scenes where they're all like super bundled up, like all the people like walking by sat were in like, you Tank know, <laughs> I mean, not quite that. Like I think it said like, you know, t-shirts and jeans yeah. and everyone That's is wearing funny. these giant parkas and pretending like it's 40 below or whatever. I wonder how they got <laughs> to blow like steamy breath out though. They must have done that when they were in the actual cold places. Yeah, I don't know. I know that's usually done in post now, but oh, that probably really? wasn't true in 96. I can't yeah. imagine. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Um, so I think that's that's finally all. I thought I'd have a lot more to say. Uh, mostly, I, just, I mean, it's just gorgeous. I just love the both the lighting and the camera work in this movie and the fact that Roger Deakins didn't win and lost to Stupid the English Patient, which Tristan has been trying to get me to see for eight years, and I still haven't. <laughs> I can't bring myself to watch it. I'm sorry. It just looks boring. He I promises know. me it's not, but someday. <laughs> someday. I'm sure we'll do it on, on this podcast just to <laughs> to talk about it. I'm sure there's there's good stuff, and it certainly won a lot of awards and beat out Fargo in several, um, including cinematography. <laughs> but regardless, um, so I gave, um, unless there's anything else you wanted to add before we start doing final scores. No. Um, well, what was, what were, how did you rank it before I get into mine? <laughs> well, again, I, it's, it meets expectations because. Oh yeah, you said that already. So, yeah. yeah. So you go. <laughs> okay. Um, so for, for cinematography lighting, I gave it a, um, a 9.7 out of 10. So it was really wow. close to perfect. The only thing I knocked it down on, I gave it a 9 out of 10 on storytelling. Um, just kind of like what I was saying in some of the writing characters categories. It was just kind of my, my gut was saying it wasn't quite perfect. I don't really have a, a specific reason why. 
Um, and then also I gave overall lighting a 9.5 since, since storytelling got a 9. It didn't seem right to give overall a 10. Um, so th that brought it down a little bit. Um, nothing really specific as to why. It was just kind of my gut saying it wasn't perfect. Um, but then the, the camera work, easily 10 out of 10. Perfect for, for that part of the cinematography. It's just gorgeous. Um, so that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be editing and special effects. My first reaction is, well, there's no special effects. <laughs> I mean... And there's probably a lot of editing, but I don't have the eye for catching what they might have edited. Yeah. See, I have a decent eye. I mean, I've, I've worked as an editor before. Right. Um, but even that said, like, something has to be really, like, there has to be, like, some creative editing before I really take notice. Like, because, I mean, the whole point of editing is that it should... You don't notice. <laughs> usually, yeah. So this is always a little bit of an iffy category for me to to rate because it's like, well, like, if it meets expectations, you just don't notice it mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, so it's kind of hard for this category to score... Um, to, to go above expectations for me. Um, You're aside more from, likely to notice if it's poor editing and exactly. stuff that should have been edited and wasn't. <laughs> exactly. That's usually the case. Right. Um, so this one, I still gave it um, pretty high scores just because, um, just because it's a really good movie, I guess. Um, I mean, I didn't think, like, movement I gave a really high score because there was, like, you know, there's the car chase and, and a lot of people, like, people running away from somebody shooting them down. And, like, I thought that the movement there, um, particularly because, I mean, it's much more so, because this is why it gets hard, because it's much more so the camera work. Yeah, because is that editing? Yeah, I mean, mm. it gets iffy. But a lot of editing, like, if you if you film an action scene from ten different angles, you're going to cut it together with a lot of cuts. If you shoot a fight scene with two different angles, there's going to be very few cuts. Right. So it's still, I mean, it's very much so. I think directing and editing are, are much more closely tied than people realize and editing and cinematography as well um because you can only edit what you're given right. you know so um i don't know this guy like even though i have experience as an editor um it's kind of a difficult category for me um, and as far as special effects go um i kind of considered it things like the car flipping and things like that even though that's gonna be practical like they filmed it and they didn't even on show set. it flipping you just see it flipped it's assumed. Really? Yeah, the lights kind of disappear, and he gets up there, and he's looking for it, and all of a sudden he looks oh, over, yeah. and there it is upside down. See, and that's some good editing. I mean, I'm sure, they, <laughs> I'm sure they didn't film it flip, so it's not, again, it's not like you can... They just flipped it and spun the tires and yeah, that a day. Yeah, I, I could have sworn. I've seen that movie how many times, and I could have sworn you actually see it flip. That's no. some good editing. No, you just see the headlight, the tail lights kind of disappear, okay. and he's looking around. He didn't even know where it was, and then all of a sudden he sees it over on its top. Huh. Well, there you go. That's some good editing. Um, so then I guess the only special effects then really would be the gunshots, which was probably largely practical. You know, you have Shoot a fake one. gun, you yeah. have a you have a squib. Um, but since there's not really any CGI, if any, right. in this movie, um, that's kind of what I consider for special effects. But yeah, I mean, I gave things pretty high scores. Um, I, I mean, it was mostly gut instinct. I was like, I feel like this is what it deserves. And now that I'm looking at it, like, maybe I should have given it. In fact, I might lower it a little bit just because I, I have no I have no rationale for it, for marking it this high. So let me let me You're take just a look on a at high this. for this movie. Just everything's great. I know, but now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, but was I mean, it was nominated for best editing, which it really? lost to the English Patient. But that's the one, like that one. 
the other two that because it also lost um lost best director best film and best cinematographer all to the english patients um which i find all three of those a little upsetting but i've never seen the english patients so maybe i'm completely wrong um but then what best editing i'm like yeah, I don't really... I don't know. I There's... I don't know. I it's, haven't seen mm. The English Patient either, but I get the feeling there's probably more kind of panoramic and foreign stuff to where that it might get more recognition as opposed to... Yeah. I mean, a bunch of snow in <laughs> well, yeah. North Dakota. That's, that's And it's very... I mean, The English Patient, from what I know about it, it is just like... It's like a... It's just a romantic drama. Like, it's it's not really... I mean, it's a drama. You know, it's, it's not very long. That's about all. I and know it's really that. long. Um, but I think Fargo. I mean, I'm, I was kind of surprised it got nominated for as much as it did because it is um, much more pigeonholed in a genre. Like this is a crime right. movie, and usually genre movies don't get. I mean, crime is is pretty close to drama and is a little looser than a lot of the other genres out there. But to have that many nominations. For, for technically a genre film is still pretty impressive and it doesn't surprise me at all that it that it lost almost everything to something that is just strictly a, a drama yeah but it's still served maybe more. it just caught so many people's imaginations and whatever and it was kind of different yeah and so it got recognized for that which is good okay so i knocked down overall editing and storytelling a little bit because i couldn't think of any <laughs> examples as to why it was good um but i left movement uh continuity pace and special effects where they were which is a little on the higher side um all between seven and nine um so then the average out for editing for me came out to a 7.2 which still exceeds expectations but is by far the lowest scoring um category within this uh for this movie for me and and i think a lot of i mean editing is just such a hard category because like unless you see the raw footage and you can see like what they're choosing to leave out and what they're putting in yeah it it gets a little difficult like it's much easier to notice bad editing than good editing which is unfortunate for editors that's why they're one of the like, like, no one can name a famous editor for the most part. Like, and yet they're so pivotal to every movie. <laughs> exactly, and like I said, I and think they're art, like yeah. they're so closely tied with the director. Like, more so than writers. I mean, I love writers, and they need way more recognition. But as far as like the final product, like editors are right up there with the writer and the director, and right. they get even less recognition than writers. Right. Um, including for me, I can't name any editors. I don't. I didn't even look up who edited this movie. So, like, I need to get better about it too. Um, but yeah, it's just hard to, like, except for, like, pace and special effects, it gets hard to, I don't know, it gets a little hard for me. Mm-hmm. But, so that's, I guess that's why I got a little bit of a lower score, but I feel okay with that. It mm-hmm. it seemed a little high earlier, <laughs> just because I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint any reasons why I gave it what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so 7.2, I feel okay with that's that. Good. Yeah. Um, did you already say your, what you gave it? Yeah, five meets expectations. Yeah, all right. That's only because I don't know any better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so the next category, this one I I definitely have a lot to talk about. Um, and it's going to be the sound design. <laughs> um, and the first thing, uh, well, I'll save it for last because I'm going to have a lot more to talk about um, the, the score. I'm going to have a lot to say. Um, but as far as things like the overall sound design and sound mix and sound effects, all that stuff, um, I thought it was a, a really solid sound mix. I mean, there were just things like... Um, you know, there was a lot of silence. First, like, there's all these, like, 
you know, zoomed out scenes and it's really, aside, like, you'll get that really loud booming score and not really any sound effects. Sometimes a little wind, you can maybe hear, like, the snow, or not the snow, but, like, the snowstorm. Yeah. Um, but it's a pretty quiet film and it works really effectively. Yeah. I really only noticed the sound a little bit towards the end. There was some, probably some of the soundtrack and I thought it fit nicely, but... Overall, it wasn't like there was a giant soundtrack or anything. And I do think, like you said, that the silence in some parts is almost like a character because oh, yeah. like the characters aren't, you know, are, are emoting in other ways. And, exactly, yeah. You know, so to have them drowned out by a whole bunch of sounds would have been inappropriate. Exactly. Um, so I just really love that. And then even like little things like in the scene, uh, the second time. Uh, Marge goes to talk to Jerry and he's like, you know, super anxious and you can tell like he just wants to get out of there and he's like rocking in his chair and you can just hear the chair squeaking <laughs> and it just adds this like, like you just, you want that squeaking to stop, you want like, it's like, oh man, you feel his anxiety just because of the, the way that sound works. Um, so I thought the like little thing like that was really effective. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I just thought that the, the sound design uh, in general with all of those elements was, was really solid. And I was surprised that it, it didn't get nominated for, for any sound categories, um, including, including score, which I, this is one of my favorite movie scores. Really? If not my favorite movie score ever. There's just something about it that really works for me. Hmm. It's so epic and just like feels very... Um, like, it just feels so specific to the movie, but it, like, gets the emotions across just right. There's just, I can't, I'm very musically illiterate, so I can't quite, like, put my finger on all the right terms. Um, but I just, I love this score. Uh, I just think it's mm. phenomenal, and I cannot believe it was not nominated for anything, at least within the Academy Awards. I didn't look much past that. See, and I feel bad now that I only noticed it at the end, one little part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've seen the movie several <laughs> times, um, so I mean, I was definitely looking for, listening for it, I should say. Um, and I tend to, the, the older I get, the more I pay attention to two scores, because I'm trying to train myself to pay attention to, to aspects that I'm not necessarily used to, to looking for or mm -hmm. listening for. Um, and, and like I said, I am very musically illiterate. I'm not very, you know, very well educated within that aspect of, of film or just music in general. So I've been trying in the last couple of years to like actively trying to pay more attention to it and try and figure out what I like and what works and what doesn't. I still don't have the terminology for it, but I think yeah. I notice it a little bit more. In some um, movies I hear it and, you know, there's different aspects to it and maybe it's the way that it's done. I don't know. This one, it yeah. didn't stand out to me at all. Oh, really? But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't purposely listening yeah. for it, which is part of, it just kind of went in the background, I guess. So... Nothing that stood out in a bad way, but it didn't yeah. stick out like, oh, that's great, you know? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something about it. I think maybe it, like, it almost has a hint of, like, like a Western duel, but it's, like, not that at all at the same time. And I think that right. resonates with me, too, is, like, like, oh, this feels really American, but it also feels kind of unsettling. <laughs> like, there's just something, hmm. I don't know, there's just something about it that, that for me, really, really works. Um and I was surprised that it wasn't nominated for anything. And even and this is particularly surprising, although maybe it goes back to, to people not knowing whether to categorize this as a comedy or not. But back in 1996, they had separate categories for scores. For They had one for 
musicals and comedy, and one for dramatic scores. And this wasn't nominated in either category. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for sure with the dramatic score, or they could have just called it a comedy because the Academy Award is know. weird that way. You just pick whatever. Um, Even if, like, could you pick different categories for different things? Like the comedy for the music part, but then a different category for the what kind of movie it was? Or did you have to stay all within? I think you have to, like, pick Pick one. one But there's not, like, it's so weird that they had it separated like that because I I don't know of any other category, and they don't do that anymore. Now it's just they have score and they have best original song, and that's it, which I think they also had best original song this year. Like, they had three different music categories. Hmm. So I don't know if that might be just a remnant from when there were so many musicals. That yeah. they because it's like musical slash comedy, so maybe it was like, well, in the fifties and sixties, we had so many musicals that we didn't want to just give the award to a musical every year, so we made a separate sure. category, and then eventually, it dropped off. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, they had two separate categories, and I feel like it could have fit into either, and it wasn't nominated either. in either. Um, well. But uh, I don't know. Maybe other people just don't love it as much as I do. I, I mean, you didn't. You didn't uh, seem to care for it one way or the other. So. Yeah. I don't know why I have such an affinity for it, but I, I really like that that score. Um, so I gave, uh, for, for sound design overall, uh, it came out to a 9.5 out of 10. So another very close to perfect. <laughs> um, but there were a few things just within like overall sound design where it was just one of those, like, I don't know if I can quite call it perfect, but it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, so a few I gave 9.5s to, um, or 9s or 9.5s instead of 10. Um, but that score for sure got a perfect 10. <laughs> and I did five again because, again, I just nothing really stood out one way or the other yeah. and met expectations. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next category is going to be aesthetics. Um, and this one I kind of divide up into the uh, more character aesthetics of hair, makeup, and costumes, and then the more environmental aesthetics of the uh, sets, locations, and props. Um, and I just, down the line, I loved everything about this movie as far. Like, it's so, but I mean, the, the costumes are great. And I mean, everything, like, obviously you have all the, like, cop uniforms, which are obviously fitting. But then even, like, you see, like, what she's wearing under her uniforms that just seem very, like, specific to her character. And you got a definite feel with the women's costumes as far as like a 80s, 90s vibe. The big yeah. sweaters and the hair. And yeah, the hair. I just love it. Like yeah. it's so, like it's not just specific to the time frame, but seems really specific to the locations. I mean, I say that having never been, I mean, I've been to Indiana a couple times, but. Um, but even the wife's uh, hair, Jean's hair, you know, was very much of the times yeah more so than the guys the guys in general i think most of the time you don't pick up as much of that fashion stuff as you do with the women but you know she was very um like i said the big sweaters and the hair and yeah absolutely and yeah it felt very late 80s early 90s yeah um so i just loved all of that um and then, like, I was saying, too, as far as, like, the sets and locations go, like, with all the fake snow that, like, I would have never known that. It looks amazing. <laughs> I thought it was real. I thought they went up there and yeah. froze themselves to death to make a movie. <laughs> Which, I mean, they did some of that, too. It was just a, just a weirdly warm winter, so they had to improvise. Um, and I think, like, the, the Paul Bunyan statue, I talked about that already quite a bit in the writing yeah. sections. But that's not even, like, that's not a real statue. Huh. Like, that doesn't, doesn't exist. Like, they went to Brainerd to film, but that's not a statue that exists there. Like, they 
created that specifically for for the movie and for the the symbolism. I'm assuming that's how I took it at least. Um, so I love that statue um, and things like the wood chipper, which has become like so iconic. Like you could have gotten rid of that body in in any way, and that's such a specific way. And I think this is just kind of a funny piece of trivia, but the. Uh, that wood chipper is actually on display in the Fargo Moorhead Visitor Center in North oh Dakota, goodness. which I think is amazing that they've embraced now, this movie. The one from the movie, or the one from whatever incident might the have one, possibly sparked the movie. The one from the movie. I had heard a long time ago that one of the news stories that they had read that inspired the movie was that they had read something about someone getting put through a wood chipper. <laughs> But I don't actually know if that's true, because the two stories that I came across with when I was doing a little bit of research this time, um, it didn't mention anything about a wood chipper. So I have no idea if that was purely from them or if they saw something like a news headline. So is that um, the first time a wood chipper had been used in a movie to dispose of a body? <laughs> that's a good question. I have no idea. Yeah. It just seems so iconic Probably. to this movie. I've yes. never I've never heard that's of it. And one any... thing even people that haven't seen it know about the wood chipper. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Um, and then I even love, like, little details within, like, props. Like, you have the the kid who plays the accordion and has, yes. like, his, his accordion poster in his bedroom. Yes. Like, it's just so specific. But then he also, like, plays hockey and has, like, a, a uh, uh, oh, no, I forgot the name. He has some band poster on his, um, oh, I don't remember hockey. who it was now. Um, I don't remember seeing it. White, White Fang? Is that a band? Maybe. Could be. White something. White Snake, probably. White Snake, probably. Yeah. Like I said, musically illiterate. But, <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was great that it, it was just like... good rock playing in one of the car scenes. I remember that. Oh, yes, and I didn't even notice. I noticed the country music, which I was not fond not of, but it fit the scene very well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit, and even like the the very first scene when it's they go to the bar and it's like you know Shep said you'd be here at seven thirty. He told me eight thirty. Like that whole scene, and yeah. they have like ten beers between the two of them. And it's like how long have you been there? Yeah. Like that's a lot of beers. Fast yeah. yeah, so like just details like that as far as like like set design that's never talked about. It's just kind well, of Peter there. Peter looked like he'd been there for a long time drinking. Oh yeah, Steve not so much. So that was yeah, it could of... have been all him drinking. Yeah, <laughs> he seems like know. the kind of character that would. Um, so yeah, so just like little details like that within the within the props, I really loved. Um, and what else? I just feel like there were so many. Th- I mean, even like Marge's haircut. That's like, like <laughs> at one point you mentioned you call it like a bowl cut. Bowl I'm cut, like pretty yeah. much, yeah. And yet it's still like it reminded me of like the mom from that '70s show. Like it's just that very yeah. like. And you know, and I lived during both the '70s and '80s, and I don't recall that really being a thing. But you see that a lot in things that are flashback to those times. Well, and maybe it was more in the Midwest, because that 70s show, I think, also takes place in the Midwest. I think it does also. Yeah. So maybe that's part of it, too. Or maybe it's just something that's been exaggerated <laughs> over time. It's always hard to say. Or it's easier to do than some of the feathered layered cuts that were actually popular. <laughs> well, they had those in that 70s show, too. That's true. <laughs> but not in this movie. Although it was mostly older people. And, well, not old, but not teenagers, you know. Although the, the prostitutes had kind of, not quite feathered, but they yeah, had... they had more fluffy hair. Yeah, more like the big 80s hair. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just loved pretty much everything within the aesthetics. Um, was there anything else that, that stuck out to you within, within any of these categories, any of these subcategories? Not really. I felt like it was... 
you know, a fairly honest portrayal of the times. Because, you know, sometimes you see shows that are taking place in the you know, 70s or the 80s. And they put so much stuff in there to make it look, quotes, air quotes, like it's the 70s or 80s. That it's just like over the top. And, yeah. And this didn't feel like that, you know. Yeah, it felt very and Of course, maybe that's because it was actually filmed very close to that time. But Yeah, it was only 10 years. <laughs> not even quite nine yeah. years after, but yeah. still. <laughs> but it didn't feel overly done to... You know, it felt appropriate. And everybody just felt... Because, like, even movies that, you know, if it's a movie, like, now... Like, a movie that comes out now and takes place now, in ten years you'll watch it and be like, nobody put on that much makeup. Nobody had hair like that. Like, that was just movie stars that looked right. like that. So even, like, like within that perspective of, like, well, it did come out very close to them. It's like, yeah, but these still just look like people. <laughs> right. They don't look like, you know, particularly the women. Like, they don't look like starlets that just... You know, not like Madonna up. from the 80s or Exactly. Something. So I thought that that was just, just very refreshing that it's like, you know, they're not like ugly people by any means, but they're not, they're not just like glammed up and plastered in makeup and, and hair done to the nines. Like they just, they look like people living their lives, doing their jobs, doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought that was just great. Like I just, I just like movies that feel like they're just about people and even like this movie gets pretty pretty outlandish it gets a little crazy with the plot <laughs> but it really doesn't feel like it and i think part of it is just that these people look like everyday people yeah. um which i just i just love that aspect of this movie like it just it just feels like everyday people <laughs> doing these crazy things all to to get a little money um huh. which which also feels very realistic people will do anything for a little money um so i love that just just huh, everything about this movie I just love. But as far as the th- aesthetics go, I gave it another perfect 10 for that category. <laughs> I just I just love the look and feel of this movie and the the attention to detail, um, all those little things. I just it really is a big part of, of why this movie is awesome. So I did give this a seven because I did feel a lot of that stuff, the um yeah, those same reasons. I just thought it felt authentic. I liked the costuming. I thought everything was well done. So, yeah, I give it a 7. This next one is the one that I I didn't even give it a rating because I don't know anything about any of the things. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Tr- Tristan, has just, he's taken to just copying my scores for this one. I think I'm the only one who really likes talking about it. <laughs> But I, you're the one that thinks about it and understands it, and I have no clue. Yeah, so. and I understand why, like, Tristan just, his is like, I don't understand why other people's opinions should have any say in my my grid, which I get, but for me, for my grid, I think, because I think part of what makes a perfect movie is that it would be widely considered a perfect movie and have some sort of cultural impact. Like, to me, that's part of what makes it a perfect movie, even even though there are movies that I think are very close to perfect that other people don't like, and that's fine. Well, I think there but... are movies that have cultural impact, even if it's just that everybody knows scenes from that movie. And, oh, yeah, like you were saying you with know. this one with the wood chipper. Like, yeah. practically everybody could can, can see a foot sticking out of a wood chipper and it would be like, Fargo, <laughs> I know that reference somehow. Or <laughs> like, just hear wood chipper, even if they don't know what yeah, it looks like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, I, I get that. Um I just don't always know what those impacts are unless we talk about something specific. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That's fair. And this one, because this is a little bit of an older movie and because I feel like it has had um, more, maybe more specific impacts than some other films, because um, usually, usually I'll go, because I divide it... Ugh. 
getting excited. I'm all over the place. <laughs> um, so I'll start with, I divide it up into three subcategories of critical impact, audience call impact, and historical inspirational impact. Um, and so for critical impact, normally what I'll do, um, particularly for a little bit newer movies, is I'll just go to Metacritic, look at the score, and, and just kind of divide it by 10. And, you, and sometimes I'll round up, sometimes I'll round down, and just kind of use that. Because um, Metacritic is just an aggregate side. It takes critics' ratings from various places, converts it to the same scale, and comes up with a, a critic rating for it. Um, critical impact is how the critics look at it? Is that... Typically, that's that's usually how I go. This one, I didn't even bother to look at, at the Metacritic score um, because I do feel like this is one that um, just critics... It, like, there just seems to be... I mean, like, it got critical acclaim for sure. I mean, like I said, it, it's a genre movie that got nominated for, like, six or seven Academy Awards, um, which is pretty impressive. I th- and for any movie to get nominated for that many awards is impressive, even though... I understand the academies are very political and it doesn't validate a movie's worth, yeah. but it's still something. And, and it, it's, got, it got noticed. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. It was it was noticed. And then on top of that, it is one that has been, um, you know, comes up in, in film textbooks and, oh, really? you know, and filmmakers talk about it as, as being a good film. And it's come up on on lists, a lot of lists. of. I mean, like I said, it's on the 100 best comedic films of all, like not just films of all Which time, but comedic. I know I need to I need to find that list and see what else is on it. Um, but yeah, so it, and it comes up on all kinds of various lists of like, you know, 100 movies to see before you die. The you know, best movies of the century, you know, whatever. There's a ton of different um, of different lists from various different sources where this movie shows up. Um, so for all those reasons, I didn't even bother with Metacritic. I gave it a, a 9 out of 10 for critical impact. I didn't give it a 10 out of 10 um, just because I don't feel like it, particularly with, like, film textbooks and things like that that I've read. I don't feel like it comes up that much, and I feel like to get a perfect 10, it would be one that, like can almost be guaranteed to show up in any film textbook because it's just held to a higher standard than a lot of other movies. Um, Did and this you have one, to watch this movie in film school? I was literally just about to say, I am shocked and amazed that I never did. It never yeah. even came up. It, it would come up in textbooks every once in a while. Right. But it was never discussed in lectures. We never watched it. Huh. And we were, like, it's not because of the violence or the swearing or anything like that. Like, we were filmmakers. We watched all kinds of movies that had stuff like that. Like, it wasn't... You know, that wasn't the issue. I don't know why it never came up. Um, I did what we watched old, No Country for Old Men at one point, so at least we got a little bit of Coen Brothers in there. So you were watching more current movies. It wasn't because it was too We watched older movies, too, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've taken film history classes where we went through, you know, the beginning of film all the way through 2010, and, and this one didn't... I mean, there's... A lot of movies to cover with them. That's a little more forgivable that it wouldn't yeah. come up. But I would think for sure for something like, because I took a um, a media aesthetics class, which was a, a lot of like um, composition and movement, learning about things like that. And I'm like, how did this movie not come up in that class? Like, there's so much going on with with the you know the way people move across the screen and the way people are positioned in a, in, in frame and things like that. Like, mm. I feel like this would be a great movie to talk about. Uh, I mean, that was kind of a weird class because it was. Um, also qualified for advertising majors, so it was focusing more on, like, I don't know, it was, like, trying to combine film and advertising. So it was a little bit, I don't know, some of the movies we watched were, they were usually pretty tame, I don't think. <laughs> I don't, it wasn't as, as bold as some of the choices in the strictly film classes, where it's like, you're film majors, you're used to watching whatever, like, we're not concerned about offending anyone, because <laughs> you should not be a film major if you're going to get offended by 
some F-bombs and some blood, <laughs> you know? Um, but still... Like, and I don't know. Am I just not sensitive to it? But I didn't feel like for considering the content that this was that bloody or out there. It wasn't that considering bad. Considering people were getting killed quite a bit. Right. I mean, I mean, it is a very <laughs> violent movie, but it's not Quentin Tarantino. Not quite, yes. You know, it's not. like Tarantino. Exactly. But. Like, and I think part of what makes it, what makes people uneasy about it is that it's, I guess, I assume obviously I've never seen anyone get shot, but it seems like it's um, fairly realistic yeah. as opposed to Quentin Tarantino where it's like, yes, it's gross and... Sound effects and visual effects. It was just someone standing there getting shot. Yeah. Sometimes you didn't even see it, but you know they were shot. Right. Um, so I think that's maybe a little bit more of, of why people get more upset with it, which is completely valid. Like it's, It is. Yeah. You know. Um, and I guess there's just a disconnect in my head because I know it's not real. But Yeah, and I'm the same. And I'm like, it's know. it's great filmmaking and it's a good story. Because there's definitely like some movies where it's like, this is just violence for the sake of violence. And I just right. like... And I don't care for that, no. Yeah, or like the horror movies where it's just like... How much blood can but, we get in one scene? Exactly. Just the, like, torture porn and things like that. And yeah. I'm just like, this is gross and I don't get the point. Like, it's just yeah. it's just not for See, me. I don't care for that either. But yeah. the fact that somebody got killed in a movie in and of itself, if it fits the movie, that doesn't bother me. Right. And this isn't a movie that's, like, glorifying it. It's not like right. these, it's not like the good guys are the ones doing the killing. Like, our hero is the police officer stopping them. Yeah. I kind of um, look at it more, like, from a psychological point of view. It's like... Wow, what is going through his mind that he can just kill somebody? And why, oh, yeah, you know, like so cavalier about it, yeah. yeah. And I find that kind of interesting, the whole... I do, too, yeah, dis- it's the just... The disconnect from the emotions, because, you know, I have trouble killing a big bug. Right, like, yeah. And the older I get, the harder it is, which is so strange. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but it just, it bothers me, and, you know, to see someone take a human life, you know, yeah, giving it, it's just there on the way, boom. Right, exactly. Not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's so self-centered and yeah. Yeah, and just sociopathic, like yeah. just yeah. Yeah, I find that an interesting study. It is. I mean, it's it's dark, but it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I get it from you. I I do it's find it fascinating. Fascination with serial killers and whatnot, just because like how do they? What is going through their mind? Right. Know? Yeah. Like there's there's something mm-hmm. obviously not, not right, right. Yeah. and <laughs> and I think just the I don't want to say the scientist in me because I'm not a scientist, but I have a very strong interest in yes, science, and just that that analytical part of my mind is like like I just want to know like what what's wrong with them because like that's mm-hmm. obviously not a healthy human brain. There's something some wrong. Chemical some. Like it, like it, defect in and I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe that's naive of me to think, but like, it, surely there has to be. I mean, if nothing else, they're sociopathic, and that's been proven to be, you know, something with the frontal lobe is is not connecting properly, and it disconnects empathy. Like that's right. we know what sociopathy is. So at the very least, yeah. that's going on. But there's got to be because like, obviously there are people that kill and have remorse, and you know, maybe they still would have done it, but it upsets them. Right. It's, the, it's these characters that it doesn't upset that I find exactly. Intriguing. And wow. and on the opposite, like there there are people who kill and feel bad about it, and there are people who have no empathy and don't kill. So yeah. to have that combination of yeah. being being a sociopath and being a murderer is right. like, what 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 happened to you? Like what is right. like there start? is. What is it? You know, how does that benefit you? Because, you know, it must benefit them somehow. Right. I mean, that's the definition of sociopathy. You do right. whatever benefits you. Right. 
anyway, this is, this has gone way off yeah, topic, sorry. but, but it's, <laughs> I agree. It is interesting. Um, but anyway, so critical impact, I gave a nine out of 10, um, audience call impact. I also gave a nine out of 10 because I do feel like the Coen brothers have a very strong call impact. I mean, like me, if you're, if you're a fan of the Coen brothers, you're probably going to like all their movies. Although to be fair, there's like half of their movies I still haven't seen. So I don't know how, how truly I can call myself a fan, (laughs) but I do know that I do intend to see all their movies and every single one of their movies I've seen, I love. Um, and, and I think that's true of a lot of people. Um, so there's definitely a, that, that cult impact and, and people just seem to, to like it. People like still now, like people like to go see this movie. They like to talk about the movie after, like it still resonates with people. Normally I'll look at various like audience score aggregate sites and kind of get a feel for how people are rating the movie and come up with my score that way. Um, and this one, I just, I just gave a nine out of 10 just cause, just cause I, I feel like that's what it deserves based on what I know about how people talk about this movie. Um, so I didn't even bother with the aggregate sites for this one. And then for historical inspirational impact, I gave that one a nine out of 10 as well. Um, just because, uh, pretty much for all the same reasons as the other two, like, I feel like it, you know, it gets mentioned in textbooks a lot. Like film critics really like it. Filmmakers really like it. And it's definitely a movie. Like there, there are dozens of movies that I've seen since, since this movie came out where I'm like, I feel like Fargo maybe inspired this. Like yeah. it just has an impact. And, and maybe it's not intentional and maybe it's maybe it's me as an You're audience member projecting it. Yeah. it. yeah, it's hard to tell. Um, like the movie, did you ever see the movie Wind River? No. That movie reminds me so much of Fargo, but in a good way. It's a great movie. Um, not funny. Like <laughs> There's no humor in Wind River, um, but it's a great movie. And it's, you know, also takes place in, in the middle of a... I don't even remember where exactly it takes place now that I'm thinking about it. I don't think um, I've ever even heard of that one. Hmm. I had um, Elizabeth Olsen and Jeremy Renner, and it was really good. Hmm. But yeah, so there's just various movies that I've seen where I'm like, this kind of reminds me of, <laughs> of Fargo. Um, and it is an earlier Coen Brothers movie as well, so I feel like it was formative as far as their career, which which adds a little bit to the That's historical it impact. Like Brothers, huh? It is, yeah. Yeah. I've mentioned them like 20 times already. I know, but not with that movie. Oh, not Wind River. I'm talking about Fargo. Oh, okay. That's no, what I was Wind... asking. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Also... no. Okay. No, Wind River is... Oh, oh I geez, know Fargo I forget... is, but... <laughs> yeah. I know. That's why I was confused. I was like, how did you not know that? <laughs> that's the only I... one I could tell you right now that is... <laughs> I forget who did Wind River. He's only done, like, three other movies, and from what I know, they all kind of have a similar, like... Coen Brothers, but also very di- like not the humor, but as far as like the cinematography and and music and themes, has, shares a little bit in common with the Coen Brothers. Um, so I keep meaning to watch his other movies, and I just haven't, and I can't even remember the other two. Um, I mean, they're they're famous. You would know them if I sat them. I just can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. Um, so anyway, so so all three categories with an impact on film, I gave nine out of ten. So of course, the average came out to to a nine out of ten for me. <laughs> You said you didn't even rate it? I didn't rate it. I put a question mark (laughs) next to it because I didn't know. All right. Fair enough. Um, So then that brings us to the last category in the grid, which is going to be overall enjoyment. Uh, I feel like I've definitely uh, have taken the lead on this one. So if you want (laughs) to give your overall enjoyment first and and talk a little bit about why. I gave it um, the outstanding, so somewhere in the nine-ish range, just because I really enjoy this movie and I enjoyed it again watching it today. And even if I can't articulate all the things that I enjoyed about it step by step, I just enjoyed it, you know? Yeah. 
It was All fun right. watching it, and I would probably watch it again. And now I'd watch it and maybe try to listen to the music. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and watch the cinematography closer. Yeah. Um, but I did enjoy it, so, yeah. All right. I gave it a, a perfect 10 out of 10 for overall <laughs> enjoyment. Um, I recognize it's not necessarily, like, it's not, you know, the Avengers where it's just a, a fun romp the whole time. Like, it's not enjoyable in that way. Um, but as far as, like, you know, I get something new out of it every time I watch it. I can watch it over and over again and still enjoy it. Um, I get different, like, you know, I, I pick up on different themes and different symbolisms each time I watch it. Um, so it's just, like, as far as that goes, and, and particularly, like, as far as, like, looking at it from a more critical, like, filmmaker-type... I mean, I'm not a filmmaker, obviously, but um, just, like, from what I know about filmmaking, just looking at it through that perspective of, like, oh, the cinematography is doing this, and the actors are doing this, and I know this was in the script, which people don't think it was, but it was, like, just things <laughs> like that, where it's, like... It's just a movie where, where every category that I talk about through the grid just combines in such a fluid way. And in ways that, like, usually most movies um, have at least one category where it's like, oh, that's the weak point. This is where it's not good. We're like, oh, man, this could have been so much better if they just did it this way. And this one, I mean, editing was significantly lower than everything else, but it wasn't really because it's a weak category. It just didn't catch my eye in any way. Um, so, I mean, really, this, I mean, this is just a... It's a strong movie. It's a well-made movie. It's fun to analyze, but it's also just fun to watch. It's just a great movie. And, and as you can tell from how excited I've gotten talking about it, I love this movie. I no idea you liked it so much. And I like it more every time I see it. Like, I kind of forget how much I like it, and then I watch it, and it's like, I love this movie. That's how I felt about it today, and I felt, since I hadn't seen it in such a long time, that... I probably liked different things than I liked before. I noticed different things just because I'm older and, you know. Yeah. I don't know, but I did. I really enjoyed it. All right. Yep. Um, did you give probably not, since you didn't really fill out the grid the way I did, but did you give this movie any extra credit? I didn't because mm -hmm. I didn't really, yeah. <laughs> I think There would be a question mark also. I looked at All it right. and thought, um, well, I gave it, I just gave it one point of extra credit, um, and that's because this was the first Coen Brothers movie that I ever saw, so it, it introduced me to the Coen Brothers, which which is awesome. Um, and then also because um, I feel like this is one of the first, like, serious movies that I ever saw. I mean, I had seen, <laughs> like, like iconic movies before this, like, obviously, like, Jurassic Park I grew up on and things like that, where it's like, okay, these are historic movies that had a big impact on film, but they're still, like, fun adventure. Like I said, with Avengers, it's, it's a romp. You know, it's, it's fun and it's great and it's great filmmaking. But it's not necessarily, like, a serious movie. And I feel like this was um, one of the first movies that more I saw where I was, like, and... more, more cinematic and more thought-provoking. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that fun movies can't be thought-provoking, but it just uses a different part of your brain, I think, in a lot of ways. And I think it was the first time that I saw a movie where I was like, oh, this has me thinking about things that I, I didn't know you would think about from watching a movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, even though I was young and I, I didn't get a lot of... <laughs> I mean, I understood the plot and everything, I think. I don't remember being confused. But as far as, like, picking up on theme, I think, like, cinematography, I didn't even know what cinematography was till I was after high school, probably. <laughs> like, or I certainly didn't give it any thought until then. Um, so it's definitely something that, you know, I, as I learned more and as I went to film school and picked up on all these different things, I can like it more and more. Um, but yeah, this was definitely probably the first, like, 
I don't want to say the first thought-provoking movie I ever saw, but the first, like, more... But considering how young you are were when you saw it, you I probably I was were. pretty young. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, mo- like I said, it, it was mostly, like... you think like, about it, that's impressive at 12 or whatever. Yeah, and I don't... Because you had said at one point during the movie, like, I'm surprised you, like, sat through this whole movie. It seems like it would be really boring. And I was like, I don't know what it was about it that I liked. Like, if it was just because it was something I had never seen before, and it was like, oh, this is... I can't put my finger on it, but it's interesting. Like, yeah. I have... And I... I don't know if I even followed the plot, if I knew what was happening, because it's it's not the, like, most complicated plot ever, but there's a lot going on, at least. But you may not have picked up on every little nuance. But oh, right, that's what I'm you saying. You like, still follow it through to the end and know what happened. And- I suppose. Um, but yes, yeah, so I have no idea what what gravitated me to it, but it definitely, um, I think, influ- and like I said, shortly after this, I got into Quentin Tarantino, which I think was... <laughs> kind of a natural next step for someone at that age to yeah. be like, oh, this is where I'm... Like, okay, like, violence doesn't bother me, I guess, so I'm gonna <laughs> jump into this. Um, and and it really, I don't know, was was formative in a lot of ways as far as figuring out what I like in movies and what, what makes me think, what, what makes me want to talk about movies. Like, it it really was one of the first to, to spark something like that in me. Hmm. Um, so, so it got extra credit for that. So it got one point total for... First Coen Brothers movies and and the first type like this type of movie, um, even though I certainly would have never been able to talk about it like this when I was twelve and probably wouldn't even be able to say why I liked it, um, but I do remember liking it and and that it had an effect on me. <laughs> so so that's my extra credit. Um, so were you able to come up with any kind of of total score? <laughs> yeah, my total yeah? score is pretty much in the um, exceeds expectations. Um, like a seven, but that's mainly because, um, you know, all those fives I had in there for not really having expectations (laughs) brought down the, the ones that were higher, you know, were quite a bit higher. So I would say it's very steadily in the exceeds expectations column. All right. That's fair. Yeah. My total came out (laughs) even higher than I thought it would. It's a 94.7. Wow. Outstanding. That's the highest one I've heard from you so far. <laughs> it's the highest one. I think I did um, I did Pan's Labyrinth back when I was still doing the YouTube thing, and that was like a 98 or a 99, but I had a slightly different, um, I had a slightly different grade. I think if I watched it now, it would probably be pretty close to, to this score. It would still be in the, in the 90s. Um but other than that, yeah, I think this is probably the highest. Certainly with this new grid, and, and certainly since doing it as a podcast instead of YouTube channel, yeah, this is um, one of the highest movies. Um, although Avengers was was pretty high, that hasn't come out as of yeah. when we're recording this, but when we post it, it will have come out. Um, but yeah, this is just a great movie, <laughs> and, and one of my favorites, and, and one that I could, even now, I could probably still talk about it for another hour, but I won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it was fun talking about it with you because it brings out stuff that I wouldn't have thought about. Yeah, it was fun. All right, was there anything else you wanted to, to add or does yeah, that wrap it up? I think that's it. All right, so, so I think that's, yeah, that's it for Fargo. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the grid rating system, be sure to check out the Gritty Films website, which is going to be grittyfilms.com slash the grid, and it's gritty films spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y films.com. You can also check out our Patreon page if you're interested in learning more about how you can support Gritty Films. That's going to be at patreon.com slash gritty films. And uh, be sure to subscribe on, on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, rate this podcast, leave a review, all that good stuff. You know the drill. Um, and, and we'll see you next time. 